Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 151st episode of the Truth Island podcast. By now, you're probably wondering, what exactly is the reason that we are all here? Perhaps a few decades ago, we might have been afforded the luxury of working a good-paying job, starting a family, and generally living a life of affluence that would have allowed us to go the entirety of our lives without having to deal with such big questions. However, now into the second year of the pandemic, with no signs of normalcy returning, many of us are now beginning to question what exactly were we put here on this earth to achieve? Are we here simply to procreate and make money? Or perhaps this pandemic is trying to warn us that there is much more to life than simply meeting our surface level needs and desires. Helping me to figure out why exactly we are all here right now, I am once again joined by Kenny. Kenny, let me start off by asking you this question. Among the people that you know, have you noticed a little bit of a, an awakening, maybe a spiritual awakening, or is everyone around you still talking about cryptocurrency and, and such? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, uh, a lot of my friends, a lot of it, it, the company, yeah, so uh, the, the friends that I already have seem to ask these questions a lot, and uh, they're already very, you know, either religious or philosophical uh, to some extent, and uh, so it's hard for me to, you know, to, to gauge the, the, social, the, the social norm right now. Us normal folk, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're already hanging out with the enlightened saints, and and you know us normal folk. I don't think I'd go that far. I mean, <laughs> we still we still like Bud Light, so. <laughs> um, so no, um, I, I would say that I'm not sure about the the current generation. I, I I'm, um, but as I mentioned earlier too, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a bit pessimistic about about our generation, but. So I couldn't give you a clear answer on that. Um, I hope I hope that you know people are waking up and people are really pursuing this you know the answer to this question because it's a very important one. Yes, absolutely. I've come to like love the phrase that comfort is the enemy of goodness, and the, the reason I'm attached to that phrase so much right now is that when we are comfortable, we don't have to deal with very difficult questions. We don't have to deal with moral questions. We don't have to contemplate God. We don't have to contemplate deeper, deeper, deep, deep, deep life questions, right? Because we're comfortable. We have yeah. a nice house. We have a DVD player that distracts us with tons and tons of Hollywood movies. Like we don't need, we can always be in comfort. And what I notice about humans is that when we get very comfortable, our morals start to just fall away because we have the luxury, the luxury of ignoring what's wrong in the world because we, we can just create an artificial paradise for us to relax in. So I'm wondering if perhaps some of this more recent suffering is, is pushing people to kind of um, see beyond the walls of their you know, self-constructed pleasure and start thinking more deeply about why exactly am I here? What should I be doing? have I been a good person, right? Like I think comfort distracts us from actually thinking about being a good person because when we're comfortable, we just think in terms of pragmatic terms. Like, okay, if I do this, I get that, blah, blah, blah. 
But it's only when everything has failed that we begin to ask some of the more deeper questions of have I been good? Have I been a bad person or somewhere in between? Well, yeah, I, so I, I, I can agree with that, and to some, but to some extent, because um, I believe that pain and suffering does wake us up. Pain and, pain and suffering is like a, is kind of like this abrupt alarm clock that shakes you out of your, you know, your deep sleep. And it, it does, it does force, pain forces us to ask questions and it forces us to ask um, meaningful questions. Like, and usually, they're usually self-focused at first, but just because they're self-focused questions doesn't mean they're not important. Why is this happening to me? You know, and, and you know, um, I don't deserve this. I, I don't, I don't deserve the, that's a more statement, but I don't deserve things, this, this to be happening. So why is this happening to me? And what, 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 what does this mean? So absolutely pain, pain does them. Comfort, on the other hand, you're right. There is a part of comfort. That's why, you know, I agree to some extent that comfort, <laughs> there's no talking to a man who's just had a lovely dinner about world hunger. <laughs> he doesn't care because he's just had a lovely dinner. <laughs> it's like people are starving. It's, people are starving in the world. Like, well, I'm quite full. <laughs> he, you know, it's, 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 it's a, a full belly cares for very little. Yes, and there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with having a full belly. It's just that it's the natural state of, um, of ease. But here, here's another thing: is there's a certain kind of place where you get to where you have everything you want in the world, and you're still not satisfied. You have a. It's it's baffling to us when people who are famous and rich kill themselves. It's it's baffling because they have everything. You know, at least that's what we imagine. And when I say we, I mean we who don't have everything. We who are not as rich as they are, as famous as they are, are as loved and adored as, as they are. And there, there's a place where a person comes to where you have attained every single thing your heart could possibly desire. You've attained the peak of comfort. And still, you're dissatisfied with life. You still have to, it comes, brings you to a place where there's a different kind of suffering. It's not the suffering of not having, but it's the suffering of having. And that's, that's one of the sufferings that we rarely ever talk about or experience. We don't talk about it because not many of us get a chance to experience. This is, this is, for, the, this is for, for the select few. But it does also bring, up, bring about the question of what is, what is the point of all this? You look around you, you have millions upon millions of dollars. Your um, wife is beautiful. Your kids are doing just fine. Your friends absolutely loving. Beyond your friends, you have millions of adoring fans. And the question of what is the point of all this hits hits the noggin, and before you know it, you're um, you're you know you're 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 rocking back and forth in the fetal position, um, miserable and unhappy. I, I, I want to talk about our potential millionaire or billionaire. And I think this happens especially when that person has acquired vast wealth by unjust means. And when I say unjust means, they could have acquired their wealth legally, but there's something morally unsavory about the way that they acquired their wealth. Maybe they acquired their money by making their workers, you know, work like 14 hours a day or under brutal, brutal conditions. And legally, they're protected. Legally, they're, they, they are following the law to a T. But just the way about their, the, the way, the means in which they make their money is unsavory. And I think that the thing about life that makes it so funny is that on 
you know, from an earthly standpoint, that millionaire has absolute pure comfort, the best vehicle, the safest vehicle, the best neighborhood. Yeah. You know, everything is of the finest quality, but their soul is aching. Like their soul is aching because they know that because of their policies, somebody is working 14 hours a day. To, to give them their wealth. And they know this to be true. No, they'll never, they'll never talk about it in public. They'll never admit to any wrongdoing or that their, their, their way about them is wrong. But why do so many rich people fall into drugs? Why do so many fall into alcoholism? And just like you said, why do so, you know, why do we know of rich people who have committed suicide? And I think the reason is, is that they have pursued the, their earthly, earthly nature to its utmost limit, but they realize that they're still empty because they haven't pursued their spiritual nature to its utmost limit. And that's what I think we talked about that last week about uh, the difference between earthly power and spiritual power. Yeah, you know, but it's one of those things, you know, situations where, you know, uh, a lot of people don't believe they have a spirit or a soul. We think we're simply, you know, biology and our consciousness in a sense, we still can't explain exactly what consciousness is. And we, we, we just think that it's just this, you know, as far as we know, just the workings of the physical brain. But you have to ask the, you know, I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to ask any, any question, it's just like these questions arise, they arise. And if, if, if you can deal with them, you know, goodness, goodness to you. But if, if you can't, it's, it becomes very dangerous and very troublesome. It's a troubling thing when, when you have to deal with pains in a place that you feel exists, but you're surrounded and bombarded with information or theories that these that that the pain you're feeling is is not real. Now the pains you're feeling is either you know um, um, just psychological. It's it's a, it's it's a it's a it's a trouble it's a very troubling thing when you because. I like the way Lewis says, you know, it's easy to say, you can point at your leg and say, my leg is broken. It's easy to point at a broken leg, but it's harder to point at a broken heart. You can't say my heart is broken. And so we find that we're living in the world where we're very, we're very, very prepared, very prepared to deal with physical discomfort, physical pain, uh, physical disturbances, but our inner disturbances, whether it's our soul, our minds, or our spirits, whatever, however you want to address it, we have little to no idea where to even begin. I, I think you're, you're right on the money there. Um, and I think it manifests very nicely in the current drug, uh, you know, epidemic that we're going through right now. Because, okay, yes, we are going through an economic recession. Yes, a lot of people have lost their jobs. And, and I don't want to mitigate or downplay that, that suffering. I, I really don't. But on the other hand, there have, you know, there have been times, and I'm only speaking about America right now, there are people still starving out there in, in the rest of the world, uh, particularly like North Korea and so forth. So I don't want to, there is still real earthly suffering going on in this world. And I don't want to hide that. But in America, there have been worse times. There have been greater level of, of starvation. Like you hear stories of people having to eat like cockroaches or something during the Great Depression in order to survive. So I would say that the earthly suffering has been higher. And yet we, when, when, when someone says that they're feeling depressed or they're feeling sad, 
we combat that sadness with earthly remedies in the forms of drugs and in, in, in the forms of sedation. And it, it's become, and we've been doing this probably since the 70s, the 80s. It's just not working. Like you can't, like this is a spiritual aching and we've been combating that spiritual aching with earthly remedies. But how, how can you combat like a, something that's missing in your life? And that's, you know, being a good person, um, being connected to God. We're trying to combat these very spiritual aches with earthly remedies. And I think we're, we're, we're actually against the wall right now because, you know, we are living in an epidemic of drugs. We are living, uh, in a time where people people don't know they know that there's something wrong with them they know there's something wrong with their conduct they know that there's something wrong uh, with the way that they're behaving and they keep thinking that if I just take these magic pills or I just if I take these correct vitamins like it'll all go away and it's like it's not working anymore oh I think it's true I mean you can only um, you can only sedate the man for so long people always you know we, we talk about escape I think last week um, and I think this this is this is a form of escape. Uh, we don't want we really don't want to deal with the pain. We don't want to deal with the things we don't want to deal with the things that we feel. So you know, alcohol helps, drugs help, sex helps, um, distractions of all kinds help. But you can only do those things for so long because they're not they're not really helping in the sense of real helping, they're, they're simply distracting you, or removing it for a while, or removing the, the thoughts for a while. But then you, you, know, you always come back to reality. Eventually those, um, those distractions lose their appeal and they lose the strength that they had, especially the first time. There's nothing like you know, um, smoking weed for the first time because it's just the most, it's, it's a very you know, incredible feeling. But then the second time, the third and fourth and so forth, and it's never, it's never, it's never as powerful as the first. And it's, it's, it's the same thing. We, um, we lose, we, 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 we build a good, we usually build a very good tolerance to these things eventually. But it's, it's so true because if you know anyone who's an alcoholic, they can drink incredible amounts of alcohol and they, they could drink like 10 beers and they don't feel a thing because their body eventually becomes immune to it. Like the, yeah. the body physically becomes immune to whatever positive sensation that they, they thought they were feeling. And it's yeah. like a real cure, a real solution would be permanent. It's not, it's not like, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be something that you have to increase the dosage you know, over the years. It would be something that kind of just fix you, you know, until the end of your days. Yeah, and that's, 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 what, that's what a lot of people are hoping for. And that's why this, you know, we, earlier we, you know, before before the talk began, we mentioned we talked about uh, self helps, and that's why self help books are written, and that's why they're so popular. It's because they're selling this. They're telling you that we can fix you, we can help you attain this thing that you know we can make you whole again, and we can give you meaning in life. We can give you, um, we can give you something that others can't. And um, it helps. It helps some people. Uh, I, I I believe usually for a short short amount of time. I mean, it's short in the sense of our you know our relatively long lifespan. We live these days. We live we live up to the age of you know um, eighty to ninety years old, and that's a pretty long time. Believe it or not, not long enough when you're there. You know, it's always looking back and you're thinking, <laughs> I wish I had more time, but. We, we, we want we want those we want that fix we want 
we want something that helps us that helps us feel good and stops the pain stops the the, the anxieties and the, the, the depressions and and the uncertainties of life and so forth and those things help for a while but they, they they don't solve the problem now and i think that we talked about this in a previous pot previous podcast where if you cannot help yourself it's impossible to help someone else. Yeah. So I, I think like the positive side of self-help is you want to accrue enough wisdom, enough strength, enough enough of something that you can then bestow that goodness onto someone else. Yeah. Where I think a lot of these self-help books fall short is they say, pull yourself up and that's the end all be all. And that, that's what most of them say. They say, help yourself, get rich, drive your fancy Lamborghini or whatever, and that is the end-all be-all. Whereas the self-help books don't go far enough of like, here's what you need to do to to help yourself. But the purpose, the purpose of helping yourself is so that you will one day be strong enough to help others. I think that's the missing link in all of this self-help. And for whatever reason, a lot of these self-help books fall short. It just, the book ends as you, you go on to be a millionaire and you live happily ever after. And they forget to mention the part where you then take your, uh, your wisdom, your money, your, whatever it is that you've accrued to then help others. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, if you're, if, if, if the self-help books have accomplished, have accomplished what they promised, they would help you, which is to make you either, you know, usually it's, you know, um, more effective human being or a, a more, um, a more whole human being, or a more socially socially acceptable human being, and so forth. There's always different categories. If 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 they do accomplish what they you know what they what they claim to accomplish, the hope is that, yeah, the hope is that in the end you have something something to offer others, something to um, something to pass on to um, um, <laughs> to somebody else, and not just hand them a copy of the book, but you as a human being being able to. Uh, um, I, let me just be straight here. I, I don't think I don't think they help. I don't think they can do that because when you're dealing with a human being, we 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 think so. Human beings are very simple, and at the same time, we're very complicated. Simple in the sense of we we communicate in you know um, through language. Language is fairly easy to understand if you well if you understand if you understand the, if you understand the language, but language is fairly easy to understand. But what happens is when you find you find that behind language is mind, and mind is filled with. I mean, we, we're talking about you know reason, you know, imagination, experience, and so forth. And often, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you 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 there's something you want to say, but the language, you, you the language you speak, doesn't really give opportunity, or you you you, you might even you you might not even know. Um, the best words to use because our you know our vocabulary is very limited but you, you there's something inside you want to say and you just don't know how to get it out and so what happens is you you either say half half of what you actually mean or actually sometimes quite the opposite and my, my points being that when when dealing with human beings who are simple and complex it's important that we know how to deal with the whole person and this is something that I, I don't even know we can do, but it's important that we do that because the 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 human the human experience is so is so big. It's and it's so um and it's so personal too. And so to find a way to deal, you know, attentively to an individual um based on who they are, where they're coming from, you know, 
and, and how they respond to the world is, is very difficult. Um, so I, I doubt that I doubt that there, there'd be a self-help book that you know that could accomplish that. But assuming that there is one, the best the best place to be would be the, the would be you know the kind that changes the person to the points where not only are they fulfilled in their life, but they also want to pass on and share this fulfillment with others and uh, and and help their lives flourish. Okay, I do think there is one self-help book out there oh. and i think it was um he didn't even write it uh one of his students wrote it but i would say that socrates is probably the best self-help book and i think his cure to this ailment is to know thyself because i think once you are once you really know yourself and people think oh I know myself, I like to finger paint, I like to go hiking, I like science fiction movies. I'm like, that's not knowing yourself. I'm, I'm just gonna tell you right now, it doesn't matter about what science fiction movies you like, it doesn't matter that you like to go hiking, it doesn't matter that your favorite band is the Beatles, none of that matters. When, it's set, when Socrates says, know thyself, he actually means know the evil inclinations within you. No, 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 the badness, know your shortcomings, know where you fail, know, know where you're imperfect and be aware of those things and start addressing them and start tackling them and start getting better at them. It's like, and I think this is echoed by uh, Jordan Peterson when he says, know, you know, know your shadow and integrate your shadow. What he means is not be evil and, and just succumb to your evilness. He, what he's trying to say and what Socrates is trying to say is be aware of your selfishness, be aware of your, in, your evil inclinations. Because once you are aware of those things, like the first step is to be aware of your evil inclinations. And then the second step is to start addressing those evil inclinations. No matter how, even if it's a very slow and long and not such a pretty process, that's the way. So I always say that you have to help yourself first by knowing your evil inclinations because then you're able to spot those evil inclinations in others. And you're going to be like, hey, my friend, I've been where you are. I've been there, man. I know, I know what it's like. I, I, know, I know what you're thinking right now. I know how angry you feel. And when you say that, you're not just paying lip service. You've actually been there because you've actually addressed the demons within you. You've actually, you've actually come to terms with your own wickedness and you're aware of it. So now when you're speaking to another, you won't be at a loss of words because you're fully familiar with the fault in others because you're aware of the fault within yourself. Like I actually think that we as humans are pretty, pretty, we're, we're, we're pretty all, we're, we're made, we're made the same. Okay. We're all, we're all just a bunch of Toyotas. <laughs> we're all, we're all, we're all freaking the same. It doesn't matter how we all try to be elaborate and unique and special. We're all just Toyotas. Okay. Th that's all we are. And once you know the inner workings of your own engine, then you're able to fix the engine of others. Yeah. I mean, our, our evil is not, evil is not complex. So evil is one of those things that we all share. Jealousy is jealousy. Unkindness is unkindness. You know, anger is anger or, you know, and hatred is hatred. So the, 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 the things that we do, the things that we do are, especially, especially the, 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 the wrong things we do, are, we have those things in common. And so, yeah, if a person understands his own wicked nature, he, by, he, he, by the very nature of understanding, you know, his own, his own wicked ways, 
he understands the wicked ways of all men. Um, because there is no, there is nobody who is specially evil. You know, we like to think that people are worse than we are. Um, but everybody's just a, a, a bad day away from, from fulfilling their worst nightmares. And so it's, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, 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 if you know yourself and if you know your own evil inclinations, your own temptations, your own, your own failings and your faults, and you know where you, where you tend to, because others may tend to lean a different way, but the, 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 com, the, the common the, 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 the common experience of unkindnesses and the, the wickednesses we, we all do and think um, is, is shared by all. I'm going to put out a little theory of mine yeah. and I'm going to try and answer the grand question here of like, why are Ooh, we here? La. Okay. Oh, I'm going to have to throw it out there. Take, I'm going to, I'm going to jump off the cliff. I'm going to see what happens. Okay. <laughs> so here's, here's my idea. And I, I need your help. I need everyone's help. I believe that we are here to one, preserve human life and two, enhance human life. And here's, and, and people, well, how do you know that, Aaron? And, and, and here's, here's my rationality. Imagine you go to Home Depot, Kenny, yeah. and you buy a hammer, okay? I do like hammers. Yeah, you buy a hammer. You don't know when you're going to need it. You might need it tomorrow. You might need it 10 years from now. Are you going to keep that hammer outside where it's exposed to the elements? No. No. Keep it in the garage. My thoughts exactly. You're going to keep that hammer in the garage. And the reason you're going to keep the hammer in the garage is because you have the intention of preserving that hammer for when you need it. So the hammer is being kept in the garage because you need to, you don't want it to rust. If you keep it outside, it's going to rust and then you won't be able to use it. So my theory is we may not know the exact details as to why we're here. Yeah. But if there is a creator, which I believe there is, then his intention is to preserve us for when we might, for when we are necessary. So my idea is that he doesn't want us to kill each other. He doesn't want us to like blow, blow each other up. He doesn't want all the nuclear bombs to go off. He doesn't, he wants us to be preserved. And I imagine while we're here on this earth, he wants us to be as well preserved as humanly possible. Meaning he doesn't wanna watch people starving to death. He doesn't wanna see people killing and hacking at each other and doing fiendish thing because all of those things don't preserve life, right? Like none, none, none of those actions and none of those behaviors are in the purpose of preserving life. All of that is rusting us, right? Like when, when, when people starve one another unnecessarily, that's the hammer becoming rusted but you want that hammer to be as shiny as humanly possible. You don't want to just leave it outside for the elements and for it to rust because you're going to need it. It may be to fix your chair. It might be to fix your desk. It might be to hang up a nice painting. You don't know what exactly it is. That doesn't matter. The mm. idea is that you pay $29.99 for that hammer at Home Depot and you mm. want to keep that hammer as preserved as humanly possible. And I think that's what we're here for, my friend, is to preserve ourselves as much as humanly possible for whatever purpose we were intended for. We may never know what that purpose is, but I think we need to start getting along those lines of preserving human life as much as humanly possible. And I think we've been doing a pretty terrible job of it up until this point.
Well, you know, I as I, I, I as I listened, I um I agree with you, man. I, I I can understand. I can I can see that. Yeah, and you were yeah we're 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 pretty we're pretty bad at it, aren't we? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I I can I I can get behind that. I think that's I think you're right. So if if yeah if we took care of one another if we took care of if we took care of one another I think it'd be a very different uh, very different world. Um, and uh, it seems as though it seems as though things are pointing to the fact that we are here for to preserve each other and to to help each other. So one might say that um, we're here we're here for love and here for uh, to help each other get to our purpose in a sense. And yes, if you do believe in purpose. So yeah, my point is I I, I can see that absolutely yeah. So I think that that's kind of like the main the enemy in the room is not believing in purpose right oh this hammer is just randomly here the hammer has no purpose you know or like i haven't used that hammer in 15 years why do i need this hammer anymore i'm throwing it away right and we're all guilty of that we all have objects in our house and then what's funny is the second you throw that thing away that's the moment you need it right? Like you see this old hammer, you're like, I don't need that hammer, throw it away in the garden. And then a week later, oh, I wish I hadn't thrown that hammer away, right? So I, this connects to our discussion last week, because what I think is going on right now is we keep denying purpose. We're, we're, we're falling into that comfort of like, it's all random. It's irrational. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I can behave exactly how I want. As long as I don't end up in a prison cell, I can do and I can say whatever it is that I want. And it doesn't matter how many, you know, it doesn't matter if people are dying, um, you know, thousands of miles away. It doesn't matter if people are starving. None of that matters, right? And that's, that's how, the, like, when the, when the human being denies purpose, he denies any obligation he has to his fellow man. And that's, that's what I think is the true enemy here, because once every human being realize, realizes that there is a purpose to us, they will instinctually know how it is that they ought to behave to each other. I think once they know, hey, we're meant to be here, we're meant not to blow each other up, we're, we're here to preserve human life, they will instinctually know how it is that they should treat others. And, and that's, that's, that's really the enemy here. We've got to get people to realize that there is a purpose as to why they are here. And once they accept that there's a purpose, they may, they need not know all the details, but once they just know, hey, there is a purpose, I think they'll start behaving themselves. Well, <laughs> you have more faith in humanity than I do. <laughs> I think um, I'd like to believe, I'd like to be that, believe that that'd be the case. Um, if, but even those, even those who do believe in purpose end up, uh, not really behaving themselves as well. So, you know, I, I would say that, you know, a purpose, purpose is, uh, purpose is a better place to be than without purpose. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it keeps, it keeps the engines going. And, uh, um, and if it's, if, if it is true, if it is true, and it, this, this is in fact how, you know, um, the cosmos is built, then, then it does absolutely it does change it does change drastically um 
a lot of things, the way we think about ourselves and the way we think about others and the way we think about our day-to-day -day life. But even then, I can't help but see that there's a weakness in, 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 in humanity where we often just don't care. Um, we, we just don't, you know, we just don't care. At the end of the day, even if there is purpose, we still want to do what we want to do. It is a better place to be than, than drifting, drifting, you know, groundless in the cosmos. So I, I 100, I, I share your concern, right? It's easy to forget that there's purpose. I also though think that it's also convenient to forget that there's purpose. Like I, I think I think a lot of folk, yeah, especially especially when they have their hands in the cookie jar, it's really mm -hmm. convenient to forget that you know there's a creator. It's very easy to forget that there is a, a higher purpose for them to be fulfilling. So, I think there are people who just find convenience because they just find it convenient. They want to do the bad thing so badly. It's very convenient for them to forget that there is a purpose. That's one set of people. And the second set of people, maybe they see something so horrendous that they're like, oh, clearly there's no purpose. Like clearly that starving child over there is evidence that there is no purpose. And here's, here's what I'm going to say. You may never get to a hundred percent purpose. You, you may never, you may never arrive at like 100%. We all, we're all humans, right? And to be human is to be flawed. That's just fundamental to us. But my, my, my encouragement here is start pushing yourself. You see something terrible, call yourself out and hey, you're forgetting your purpose. Or you got your hands in the cookie jar, but then you quickly pull your hands out of the cookie jar and say, wait a minute, there's a purpose. I can't be stealing these cookies right now. So we're going, we're, we're going to, we're going to sin. We're going to, you know, and sin means to miss the mark. We're all going to miss the mark at one juncture or another, forgive yourself and move on and then bring yourself back to purpose. Okay. So I think that if everyone is trying and I, I, I kind of disagree with Master Yoda over here where he says, you know, mm, try not or something. Yeah, just try. Just try to bring yourself to purpose. You might fail, you might succeed, but I think that's a better step than not trying at all and just living in pure nihilism and just pure, pure, it's all irrational, it's all random because that's not even trying. And I think that if you're trying to be good or trying to fulfill purpose, the supreme being or, or whatever is out there is seeing that. And he's, he's like smiling and saying, okay, you're trying, boy, keep, keep at it. And I think, I, I just imagine, like, I always tell people, forget about the world becoming 100% better. Imagine it just became 10% better. Imagine, imagine in five years from now, everyone is 10% more moral or 15% or, or more moral. What a better world we would be living in, right? So, if you start off with just a very incremental approach to this problem yeah. of like, okay, I'm not going to become a saint tomorrow, but I'm going to be 10% better. I'm going to, I'm going to remind myself of purpose 10% more of the time. Just think about all what, what a more glorious world we're going to be in here. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to, I'd like to see that world. And uh, I think, um, I think it's a good step to take uh, rather than, you know, um, rather than, you know, uh, trying to make it make make jump into perfection as quickly as uh, um, um, perfection in a day I say Rome wasn't built in a day perfection <laughs> and I think perfection is the enemy of change and I I, I like I, I think that the best thing that I, I tell myself is 
God is perfect, you are not. And, and people think that's an insult. I actually think that as like the highest compliment because it's like, I never need to be perfect. I just have to try my best at whatever it is that I do. And when I fail, I forgive myself and I correct that behavior and move on because the goal is not for us to be perfect. It's just by, by definition, we are human. We cannot be perfect. That's mm. not the bar. That's not the standard. Yes. And once we remove that as being the standard, now we're actually giving ourselves permission to improve. Yeah, I think that can be very helpful. That can be very helpful for um, um, for those who who want to give it a give it a go. I think that's a brilliant place to start. If you can if you can do that, if you can try that, it, it may bring it may it may just bring about some good, and it may just bring about some good not only in your life but in the life of others, and consequent you know consequentially in in, in your community and so forth. And, um, so I, I I would I would say that it's a it's a, it's a good place to start. Absolutely, it's a good place to start. So I, I kind of want to end on a little bit of a somber note. It's somber, optimistic note. So not just not completely somber, but you know. Okay. If you're if you're if you're in doubt right now, like oh, what should I do? I'm kind of here to tell you at this point, at this juncture, you really don't have much of a choice. And and that's that's really my answer to anyone who's in doubt right now. You just you don't have a choice, because. The world is not, if, if we continue to go down this road of it's all random, it's all irrational, it doesn't matter, we're really going to destroy ourselves. It's not a question, it's not, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. If this, if this behavior continues of like, it's all random, it doesn't matter, there's no consequences, I'm just a random tree falling in the forest and no one hears me. If we continue down this road, it's just a matter of when, not a question of if. And that, that seems really negative, but if you actually invert that negativity and say, well, I have no choice but to get better, like I have no choice but to get better, then there's something very beautiful about that because it actually kind of removes a little bit of your free will in a good way because you know, you know that if you don't change, what's going to happen? So I think at this point, based on what we've been through over the course of the pandemic, based on what we've been through in the course of history, we really yeah. don't have much of a choice but to get better. We know, we know what happens if we continue down this road of just like, it's all random and my, my actions have no consequences and there's no greater meaning. We, we know where it leads. We, we've already seen it. We've seen where it goes. There isn't really much of a choice. And it's like, it sucks that a part of your free will has been lost, but at this point, it's just about getting better. And if we have to deprive ourselves of a little bit of free will in order to get there, I guess that's just the road that we need to go. My friend, do you have anything to add before we close out here? Oh, no, not at all. I think, uh, I think, I think you're right. It's a, um, it, it, it is, it is, it is, it is a good place to start and it's not easy. It's not at all easy. It's, it's the furthest thing from easy, but um, it may just be worth it in the end. Absolutely. All right, my friends, be good. And uh, Kenny, thank you so much for this good conversation. Aaron, thank you for having me. It was a great time. This concludes the 151st episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.